Okay, everybody, welcome back to Talk of the Now podcast. And today I've got another interview for us, and I'm pretty excited about this. We've got a couple of guys here that have done a recent documentary that I watched um, called Ark of Lilburn, the Ark of Lilburn, excuse me. And um, I've got the um, director, Mr. Nicholas Decay, and Mr. Jay um, Tyroff. Did I say that correctly, Jay? Your last name? You did. You did. Okay. Most people butcher that. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate y'all coming on. I watched the uh, documentary about a month ago. I really wanted to um, try to reach out and talk to you and see if you could come on the, the podcast and, and talk about yourselves and what y'all do and um, the documentary itself and maybe get a little bit of the insight. Um, Absolutely. I really appreciate y'all coming on. I guess if we could maybe start with um, your backgrounds a little bit. And Nick, uh, tell me tell me about you. How did what did you, how did you grow up and, you know, what's your kind of background and getting into what you do nowadays? So I, I grew up uh, between Maine and Georgia. Parents had joint custody. So mom was here, dad was in Maine. So uh, summers and winters in Maine, the rest of the school year here in Georgia, which is a uh, weird way to grow up. Two very different cultures, uh, rural Maine and uh, metro Atlanta. Um Grew up doing martial arts and got into racing motorcycles and cars in my early 20s. Uh, I owned a MMA gym for a long time, was fighting professional Muay Thai, going back and forth to Thailand. And a movie producer came by my gym and said, uh, hey, we want to use your gym to film our movie. I said, yeah, sure, that's great, but you got to put me in your movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, he was like, well, can you act? I'm like, sure, why not? You know. I had no idea what that meant. And he said, well, what else can you do? I said, well, I can fight. And he's like, well, there's a, there's a role for a guy who doesn't really need to do much acting, but he needs to be able to fight. So, sure, you can have it. Did that, met a bunch of stunt guys, fell in love with the industry, and kind of banged my head against the wall for a few years and eventually became a full-time stuntman. Sold my gym and been doing it ever since. Okay. When, when did you start getting into, like, what year did that happen that you got into the, uh, the stunt business? 2008. 2008. Oh, okay. Um, so the film industry, had it arrived yet in Atlanta about that time? This was the very beginnings of the film industry coming to Georgia. The guy who was the director of that movie, I think at the time, was the only director who was living in Georgia who had a movie that had been distributed. Oh, um, wow. So the industry was a lot different than it is now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... Vampire Diaries started up in 09 and Walking Dead came in 2010. Okay. Yeah. I do remember that whole Walking Dead saga that was so popular that, you know, when it arrived. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, those were the shows that really put George on the map. Mm hmm. Yeah, I guess prior to that, it was like uh, Dukes of Hazard for a little bit and nothing, you know, your random medlock show or something right <laughs> yeah i don't i think dukes of hazard actually filmed on a stages in california oh, yeah yeah that's right it, it took place in it supposedly took place in atlanta or yeah atlanta. in hazard county georgia yeah the, dry, the, the last dry <laughs> county in georgia in the in the 80s um oh, yeah. i think in the heat of the night was here in the 90s and savannah the uh-huh. tv show Cut savannah it. was here in the 90s yeah but um, that's a, that was about it. Uh, the film and this, the film intent changed everything for this mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. All that, all that great uh, tax incentives and things that have changed in the last 20 years, I guess, helped out. Oh yeah. Big time. 
Yeah. Uh, Jay, what about you? What was your background and how you kind of got to where you are these days? And I guess what, what was your role as well on the Ark of uh, Lilburn? Well, the Ark of Lilburn, I was the uh, producer on it. <clears throat> That's pretty much the boss, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but my background's in football. I played collegiately at University of Miami and played professionally in the Arena Football League and had my shot at the NFL, but you know, get to that level, it's it's a business and yeah. Kicker yeah, kickers are a dime in a dozen. And back when I was kicking, it was, you know, essentially every team had, you know, a pretty elite kicker on their roster. And mm. now it's just like they're in need of kickers. <laughs> uh, but I am still a free agent, so I may get a call and I haven't kicked <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> so you played at but, the U. Wow. Okay. Yeah, played at the U. Um, yeah, I got recruited as a wide receiver, believe it or not. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I could kick as well. So it, it worked out. And um, a football coach told me about a, a casting call here in Atlanta um, for the movie We Are Marshall back in 2006. I remember that. Um, and that was my first film. Um, and I did a lot of the football scenes in that movie as a martial football player and some on the opposing teams. And a lot of the hits in that movie that I did are considered um, not stunts, but playing football. It's just like a gray area in that. Um, But I did my second movie and that was the blind side. And that's where I did my first stunt and got tapped it as a, with my first speaking role and, been doing it ever since. That was a great movie, by the way. I love that movie. Um, yeah, The Blind Side? Yeah, yeah. So do you remember the guy that gets um, in the big football scene with Big Mike, gets pissed off, and he pushes the guy down the field like 50 yards with him, throws him over the fence? Oh, man, I don't remember that one. It's been about a year or two. <laughs> you know, that was me. Okay. <laughs> I need to watch it again. Oh, yeah, it was – you know, it's a – it was that moment in the movie where, you know, Michael was a horrible football player, but then it clicked. Uh-huh. And he just went nuts on everybody <laughs> in that game. So it was, uh, and the guy I doubled was actually a good friend of mine. His name's Eric Benson, and he's a stunt guy now. So it's funny that I doubled a stunt guy who's a stunt guy. So, <laughs> wow. Did you get to meet um, the Sandra Bullock by chance while you're doing that? I did. Okay. I did get to meet Sandra. Just had to ask because she was a slight crush of mine years ago. <laughs> yeah, she's Can't blame really there. nice. Yeah, she's really nice and mm-hmm. yeah, very easy on the eyes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that they they had cut. They had a lot of big names that showed up on that. They're like, um, um, yeah, Tim McGraw's in that. Why is his name leaving me? Besides uh, Tim McGraw, Alabama coach, um, Nick Saban. Yeah, know. Nick Saban. Yeah. Met all those guys. Right. Wow. I actually met I actually met Nick when I got recruited. So ah. it was the second time I met him. And when I did meet him, he didn't remember who I was, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he comes across to me as a guy that speaks softly but carries a big stick. I don't know if that's true or not, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you you could put it like that. <laughs> I don't know. I would agree um, with that. But uh well, that's cool. And then I'm sorry, you got into the film industry about that time. And um, is this your first project you've produced or have you produced some other independent stuff? 
Yes, yeah, would be the second one I did. I did a I co-produced another one with uh, Ridley Scott on a film called Slingshot. Um, okay. That's still hopefully that'll be released this year. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully that. I think that all to be Netflix or or Warner Brothers that will distribute that theatrically. So they're yeah. we're still in the selling phase of that one. Okay. Okay. Very cool. I um this is very cool to me. Very cool subject because I took um talking to you both about that i'm the opposite i've i never done any stunt stuff as a kid i was sort of a tomboy that would get out there and ride go-karts and you know north georgia and jump around and do stupid stuff all the time but uh sure. i think i'm as far as i get from a stunt man i'm five nothing weigh 100 and nothing and <laughs> i get my back gets sore if i sleep the wrong way um yeah you'd be a good kid double yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, those those guys that double kids work nonstop. Oh, I bet, man. Um, but I did, I did try to get, um, well, I, I didn't try to get into acting, but I took acting classes, um, about, to oh, back in 2018, I think it was for about six months. And, I, um, I did it mostly because I like comedy and I like doing improv stuff and kind of just wanted to get a feel for what it was like to be actor and do acting. And, um, it was sure. quite the eye opening experience. I had a good actor down there. I think it's the, uh, I think it's still called professional actor studio down there in Atlanta. Nick Conte mm-hmm. owns it. Um, and it was very interesting and eye opening to my, my teacher's name was, um, Oh gosh. Can't even remember his name now. My gosh. Um, Jay and, uh, sent Jay as well. And he, um, did a lot of acting and numerous things, a little small work and that sort of thing. And he, he showed me a lot of things that I'd never thought of when acting and just learning everything from memorizing scripts on hand to doing cold reads and doing all these Mm -hmm. things and learning how to um, just know your lines and, and, and feel it and do everything like that. It was just, it's a challenge. I actors really do work. I I mean, people should really. Acting is an incredibly difficult craft Mm -hmm. to do. Nick and I, Nick and I like to beat thespians every now and then Nick, mostly. Nick mostly's a thespian. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I got uh, yelled at. I had a um, a stunt where I had been a stunt double before this, but uh, this was the first time where I was like the only idiot on camera. It was on the Vampire Diaries uh, season two or three, or I, I can't remember. It was very. It was early in the Vampire Diaries, and I'm playing some kind of cop or security guard. I can't remember, but I'm the only idiot on camera, and I'm walking around to get choked out by this. Some kind of skinny, beautiful man on the show. I, I don't know what he did. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the stunt coordinator afterwards took me aside and said, hey, man, uh, you're a pretty good stunt double, but uh, you're horrible on camera. Um, you better take acting classes or, or no one's ever going to hire you to do um, featured stuff. So this is probably 11, 12 years ago. And I said, okay. And I enrolled in acting classes that week. Mm. <laughs> and uh, been doing been doing it ever since, and it's been a remarkable journey. I, I really enjoy it a lot. Yeah, the memorization part was the hardest for me. Learning lines and just trying to put feeling into those lines and, and put yourself in a place mm-hmm. of it. To me, that was one of the most difficult things to try to learn. Yeah, for me, it was uh, accessing emotions. Yeah, yeah. Just in general, <laughs> accessing emotions. Because as a as a as a man, we tend to suppress our emotions um you know 
there's, there's very few things that are more annoying than seeing a guy cry and whine. Um, and, and all men know this, so we make sure we don't cry and whine in life. Yeah. Um, but as an actor, you have to be able to access those emotions. And um, as a guy, you spend most of your life learning how to not access those emotions and suppress them. So it was quite the, quite the journey to try to figure out how to deal with those, mm. um, especially coming out of professional fighting where you do not show your emotion. In fact, you know, if you get hit, you want to not give any tells that maybe that hurt because if you give the tell that that hurt, they're going to keep hitting you there. Like if you hit somebody in the tummy and they go, Oh, you know, Ooh, they've got a soft tummy. Maybe I should keep hitting that tummy. Um, so it was like a very big switch. Right? So I, fighting I really, is a little bit, fighting is a little bit like poker in some ways, I guess like that, huh? Oh, it's a hundred percent like poker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never want your opponent to, to know when you're hurt. Um, there've been plenty of guys that have gotten rocked on their feet and looked like they were ready to continue fighting and had their opponent capitalized on that moment, on that time, they could have won the fight, but the person had enough composure to hide that from their opponent and continue the fight and maybe ended up winning it. Mm. Um, so that's definitely a big part of the, part of the skill set. Yeah. Um, well, let me transition if I can to the movie some, um, first off, I love documentaries. And so this is a few things that came out to me was sort of, um, it almost seems like documentaries can oftentimes tell the story for you. It's almost like you don't have to come up with a script because there's so, there's so much involved in so many, um, you know, things weaved into a story like this, that you almost, the story makes itself. It seems like, um, you know, besides the fact that y'all have to edit it and, and present it, it seems kind of like it, you know, this story especially really told itself. Um, and I don't want to give any spoilers, but I guess if uh, maybe Jay, if you can kind of tell us what the story is about um, for those listening. Yeah. We, we've got a, a steel company in Wilburn, Georgia. Um, and the owner of Porter steel um, coal or low Porter uh, built this boat, you know, 30 something odd years ago. And boat's been sitting there ever since, since the, you know, 2008, um, when the financial crash hit and been sitting in a shop, taking up space. And now he's retired and he's given this company, multi million dollar company to his, you know, son, Cole, who is the, uh, vice president of Porter steel. And now he wants his boat down in Tampa where he's retired, but there's only one problem. It's uh, encased in the building and they can't get it out without cutting the whole front face of the building off. And no one really wants to move it. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a big task. And, but the Porter's, you know, found this guy from Florida uh, who's a house mover He's crazy enough to do it. So, so um, that's what, that's one of the characters I want to talk about. Obviously, like you mentioned, we had um, the owner, um, Mr. Porter. What was his first name? Lowe. Uh, Lowe Porter. And then his son, Cole Porter, which the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking of um, Cole Trickle from the, uh, the movie uh, yeah. Days, uh, Days of Thunder. Um, yeah. And then yeah. – um, 
AKA ponytail, as I remember you calling the guy from Florida or they called the guy yeah. from Florida. And then, uh, a few other people, um, the, uh, I wrote his name down, Kevin, uh, Giesland, Giesland. He seemed like quite the character himself. Um, I, I just loved how, um, it was sort of watching a back and forth. Like you see the guys in the shop just sort of, you know, critiquing everything and just kind of jabbing each other and say, look at what's happening now. <laughs> oh yeah. They were naysaying the whole time. Um, <laughs> Kevin and, uh, I mean, Kevin's a really, really smart guy, um, but he's the perpetual pessimist. Um, so everything he see, you know, he could see a, a party full of everyone having fun and he would notice the uh, future tummy aches and the wrapper, the candy wrappers that will soon be littering the floor. And that's what he sees rather than a party of people having fun. Um, <laughs> he's, he's that guy and he was really really funny to talk to about this whole boat process because he just hated the boat he didn't think it was going to get moved he thought it was going to fall on the side of the highway he just it was all doom and gloom you know he kind of walks around with a little storm cloud over his head yeah how many um when you do a something like this like I said it's not scripted so 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 much but um like, do you have to put in tons of footage hours just filming things to be able to, like, did you, like, did you just have tons of footage to go through to make the movie? Yeah, we had about 400 hours total of footage. Because um, we, we had three cameras principally that we used for doing our interviews and whatnot. So if you have an, an hour interview, now you have three hours of footage because you have three cameras pointing at it. Um and then also on the for the actual move, we had like twenty or twenty-one GoPros going for a you know twelve-hour day, thirteen-hour day. Mm. Um, so just the footage was there was so much to go through, and um, it took us probably a solid month to go through everything and categorize it. And um, we actually had a DIT on set, but even he couldn't keep up with the volume of it, and. Uh, we had a script supervisor, Carly, who really, she documented and gave us, because we ran time code, which is like a, uh, basically all the cameras are synced. So we can say at this time on this day, this thing happened. And when we go through on our editor, we can find that time. We're not searching too much. And she kept really detailed logs and gave us a 250, 300 page PDF report of just like, you know, Ponytail did this at this time, or Lowe said this interesting thing at this time, and it was a mm. it was a huge process editing it. Um, yeah, I was because um, I was wondering about that because documentaries are some of my favorite things to watch, and I almost wonder when you're trying to film it, and you know, like let's just say you're trying to film two beavers doing their thing out in the wilderness and you're doing like a nature mm -hmm. one. I mean, sometimes your, your film is just sitting there and they're not doing anything but sleeping, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So is it, is it difficult to kind of get around and, and, and narrow down when you actually have good happenings going on, you know, that you can Absolutely. put on film? Well, um, I mean, with this, I mean, documentaries kind of fall into two major categories. Mm -hmm. You have the category of something that's already happened. Like if I was going to do a documentary on the 1996 Olympics, 
you know, all that's already happened. So I have an idea of what that story is going into it. I know that I, maybe I'm going to interview the whoever was mayor of Atlanta in 96 and whatever. And I might go to different news sources, but I, I have an idea of what's going on there. Um, with the documentary where you're filming something that's happening in real time, you know, you pretty much have to be the guy filming the beavers just there with the cameras. Cause these guys aren't going to give you a take two. If a phone call happens and that phone call happens to be interesting and relevant to the documentary, you better have mics on these guys and you better have somebody with a camera near there. Mm -hmm. So we had a whole team of people, um, shadowing Cole and Lowe and various other people there. Jay walked around with a, a camera on his chest just in case. And he would run up to people and have that thing on and just sit there and like, yeah, <laughs> you know, just in case, cause we could get these candid moments. Um, but it was, uh, it was a lot. And, you know, the interviews were easier, but the, the stuff that's just happening it was a lot of it's just us running from one side of the steel shop to the other side with the crew, sometimes splitting the crew where I'd have one camera guy over here doing with this one thing. And then I would leave uh, Carly or script supervisor with them, her taking notes. And then I would run over to the other side with another camera taking notes over there. It was, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And then, and then of course in post trying to figure all that out and, um, we couldn't even craft really a narrative until it was done because we didn't know what was going to happen. The boat could have, anything could have happened. You know, the, <laughs> I mean, that was the, that was the thing. Um, the boat could have not gotten out of the building. It could have crashed on the side of the road. It could have killed somebody. Car could have crashed into it. <laughs> we, we had no idea what was going to happen. And the wow. further along the process we got, the more, um, the more ambiguous the ending became. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but right. <laughs> the suffice to say, when we started production, uh, I think we started production October 1st, um, we thought the boat was going to move Halloween weekend. And the boat did not move until... I think the end of January slash beginning of February the following year. Oh wow! So that's a that's a pretty big difference um, as far as the scope of our production goes because we thought, oh okay, it's good. four four or five weeks it'll be great, um, and then you know it turned into six months. Wow! <laughs> so so like Jay, when you were like, did y'all have to say to them, hey? don't you dare make that call about the moving company without letting me know, or did you just have to kind of like listen in and say, okay, I think they're about to do it. <laughs> and you run over there. I mean, it, it is hard. I mean, yeah. we were having, especially, you know, once the boat didn't move that weekend, I had to be in constant contact with Cole and Lowe because I didn't know what was going on. Like, it's like, we didn't know what was going on. So I had to drop by there daily just to see, you know, if anything was happening and if stuff was, if stuff was getting planned, I'd ha we'd have to run and gun and get a crew together and, you know, get someone over there to film it. And wow. a lot of times it was, you know, Nick and I and Nick running the camera, I think a few times and 
quite a few you know, times. It was, <laughs> yeah. So it's just it, we were it was it was a lot of run and gunning, and you know we learned a lot from that process, and you know it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I bet it's a delicate. It was probably a delicate balance. I'm just guessing when you are trying to film them and they're going through something that's like watching them try to do, take the front end off of the building off, for instance, again, try not to spoil things, but that's an intense situation. That's a very tense looking situation. And, you know, and you've got, they're trying to do their thing and you're trying to do your thing. I bet it's mm-hmm. a very th- hard thing to balance there. Sure. Quite. Yeah. It was a big balancing act. Um, you know, and these are, these are steel men, um, you know, which is a they're, they're rough and tumble kind of blue collar guys. Mm-hmm. And the guys who work on documentaries are, you know, kind of skinny hipster types, you know, exactly what you expect film industry people to be like. <laughs> so there's a pretty big, um, there's a huge cultural divide between, you know, your average film guy and a guy who, you know, cuts steel rails for a living. Um, and it was a really, it, it, it was quite the little tap dancing exercise we did. And Jay ended up being an incredibly good liaison between the two groups. Um, you know, and Porter Steel employees are really nice people and they were very accommodating to these films, you know, young filmmakers kind of running around a steel shop and, some of these people had probably never been near a welder or like a plasma torch before that. Right. Maybe weren't aware of exactly how dangerous some of that equipment is. <laughs> um, so it was a, it was definitely a balancing act, but it never, it, you know, never, no one ever was ever impolite, um, you know, between Jay and Cole kind of managing that process. It, uh, it went, that part of it actually was, the smoothest part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say most of the real shenanigans were just trying to make sure we had a camera pointed at people when interesting things were happening. And then the chaos with the movers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can relate. I related a lot to it because I grew up in an auto body shop. That's what my mm-hmm. dad had. He did auto body restorations on cars, the family dynamic of him working with his boys and just sort of, uh, you know, the, um, the grinding that they had against each other at times and, and that, and that sort of thing that in itself is its own story, let alone the, um, the boat. So I I can tell there's different stories going on within a story here. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that family dynamic was to me, the most interesting part of the documentary. Um, and, uh, Cole's relationship with his father. It's, uh, I mean, watching, Cole worked with his dad is why when my brother became a medical doctor, he did not go to work at my dad's practice. Um, he went and did an entirely different type of medicine because he was worried about working for his father and what that would mean. And I saw so many parallels between my relationship with my dad and my brother's relationship with our dad and the way Cole and Lowe interacted and, you know, Cole couldn't get an attaboy out of his father, no matter what he did. Mm. I mean, Cole really <laughs> busted his ass throughout that entire process. I mean, I, I think it comes across in the documentary how much work he's doing as he's managing the business and then simultaneously dealing with this stupid boat. 
and getting his dad to even be like, hey, he did a passably good job, was, was pulling teeth. And um, I feel like that parallels a lot of a lot of men's relationship with their fathers. Mm-hmm. So I, think, I thought it was really interesting to see it all play out. And, yeah. yeah, I think um, Jay being a um, you being a Southern person like me in a lot of ways, I think a lot of us Southern um, dads suffer from what I've heard Dave Ramsey call the powdered butt syndrome, where it's kind of like <laughs> I powdered your butt so you can't tell me anything type of way of thinking, sure. you know. <laughs> i think that's yeah. a lot of i think that's a lot of southern dads and you know my dad and his dad and and that kind of thing is sort of like who are you to tell me what to do i was you know doing this before you were even you know peeing type thing yeah. <laughs> so, well, um well that's uh yeah that's a lot of um cool info i think and i think that um if y'all haven't seen it audience people that are out there you need to go check this out and I think that um, it's really enjoyable to see this. And how um, how's the movie, um, you know, I guess feedback and all that sort of thing that you've seen Nick gone with the movie and um, as far as where it is right now. So uh, when we did our first screening of it, um, you know, everybody seems really pleased with it. We actually edited it after that screening just because I, I sat in the back with Jay and we watched everybody and, if moments weren't landing, we edited it. But then since then, and we released it, um, you know, the reviews from people have been pretty good. Um, we've had some critical, re- you know, we've had normal people reviews and critical reviews, and both have been by and large, very positive. Um, a lot of my friends who I kind of browbeat into watching it, they were all afraid to watch it because they were afraid it was going to suck and then it was going to be awkward. But then they were like, wait, it was awesome. Uh, so that was cool. Um, but uh, I guess a lot of stunt guys make make films and stuff, and they're often not amazing. A lot of my friends, when I was harassing them to watch it, they were uh, they were worried. They were worried they were going to have to like, oh, you know. <laughs> but um, but so far it's been pretty good. Um, we've we've had critical reviews from people different countries and whatnot and they seem to get it for the most part we've had a few people who definitely don't didn't understand the movie um which is fine um but so far so good yeah i've I've been happy with the feedback yeah that's good i um i think it's going to do well any uh are you putting it in any um festivals or will it be in any that we know of uh i don't believe it's going to be in any festivals it's um I mean, you can watch it on Amazon right now and iTunes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I believe our distribution company is trying to get a licensing deal to get it on uh, a major network that you could just watch it. Um, but I don't, I don't know if they've even started that process yet. They they release it on all the uh, streaming platforms, and then I think based on performance, kind of dictates whether or not mm-hmm. one of those groups picks it up. Okay, gotcha. Well, that's, um, I'm going to definitely watch it again sometime. And if you all haven't seen it yet, um, Nick mentioned um, you can watch it on Amazon. What other platforms might they be able to find it? It's on uh, uh, iTunes, Amazon. It's Google Plays thing. PlayStation. Yeah, there's Xbox. There. You, know, you, yeah. Can, you can even rent it on YouTube, I think. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think you can even go to IMDb and directly run it. It's uh, pretty much a, a, any any major streaming platform where you can rent movies, you can get it. Okay, okay. Uh, let me ask, I guess, final question for you. Um, is um, Have you um, thought about the um, future of the project? Will there possibly be a sequel or anything, um, tie-ups to it at any future time? So... Um... At the end of the movie, where that where you what, what happens at the end, and I'm trying not to spoil it, right. is where it is currently. And there is a, uh, a sequel, you know, assuming that the project performs well and it makes financial sense. There is a sequel of getting it from where it is now to uh, Tampa, Florida, which involves uh, four weeks of travel on the Tennessee River and sea trials and all kinds of stuff. It's a pretty involved process to get it from where it is now to being an ocean-worthy vessel. Um, so there's a, there's a lot that we can do with the, with the second film, and we're, we're hoping that it's successful enough to warrant that expenditure. Well, that'd be great. I can't wait to, to see the updates on it. Um, well, Nick, uh, Jay, I appreciate y'all coming on today and talking with me. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. And uh, maybe um, if nothing else, uh, I can have either both of you or each of you on some other time, and we'll talk some more about uh, shop and business and everything, what you do. Heck yeah. yeah. All right. Well, appreciate it, guys, and hope you all have a great day. And I appreciate everybody joining us, and we will see you guys later. Thanks so much for joining Talk of the Now.